Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we help growing companies, especially manufacturers, improve their people, process, and planning systems so they can scale smarter and faster. Joining me is Jenny Lee Schmidt. Jenny is the founder of Change Navigators and is a certified coach and advanced grief recovery specialist. Today's topic is when leaders encounter grief, both professionally and personally. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. This is a topic that we probably haven't covered whatsoever in this podcast, but it's a very, very uh, important topic. It's a timely topic. And as a starting point, let me share a quote from your website for our listeners just to see to what extent might this topic apply to them. So it reads, I know you. You're used to being a high performer and you have the achievements to show for it. You've worked hard to pursue your dreams and design a life that works for you and feeds your passions. Maybe you already have, but lately something's been dragging you down, holding you back. Do you struggle with any of these issues? I have trouble staying focused on tasks and projects. I can't get motivated for the work, play, and or self-care that I used to enjoy. I'm exhausted all the time, have low energy, sleep too much, or can't sleep well. I'm relying on food or alcohol, drugs, sex, shopping to make me feel better with diminishing results. I feel overly emotional. Sometimes tears or anger leak out at the wrong times, or I feel numb inside, isolating, unwilling or unable to connect with people that I love, or I'm constantly wondering, what's wrong with me? Is this normal? Jenny writes, if you can relate to any of these, you may be dealing with grief. I love how you worded that. My hope is, as listeners heard that, that if they are perhaps experiencing any or of these items, that this conversation may be of benefit uh, to them. As a starting point, Jenny, you and I have had a chance to get to know each other prior to this podcast. I know a little bit about your story, but I think our listeners would be interested in how does one come to being a grief and transition coach? A little bit, tell us about your journey that brought you to this point. Thank you. Yes, I will. Gosh, reading that list, I'm so glad you um, you shared that. I appreciate that as a great idea. And reading that list kind of brings me back to when I was feeling that way. And I think a lot of us can check off at least some of those boxes on any day of the week. Um, and one of the things I've learned as a grief recovery specialist is all of us are carrying a backlog of grief. So I just want to echo your call to your audience that I I want people to know that if you're struggling with any of those things, you don't have to stay stuck in that place. And that's why we're together today. So it's exciting to have an opportunity to bring this message. So, but let me answer your question. So my experience is I had a pretty traumatic childhood Hmm. and the way I responded to it is, you know, turned into a high achiever, overachiever, perfectionist, people pleaser. 
I know a lot of other women um, who are high performers with kind of that background and for kind of that reason. And what I realized now was that what I call a chaotic childhood really included a lot of grief mm-hmm. that never got addressed, much less even really acknowledged as grief. Um, And I think part of what compounded that for me was I was raised part-time by my grandparents who were members of the greatest generation. And as you know, not a lot of time for sitting in those emotions, right? Like those are pull yourself up by your bootstrap and move on to the next challenge kind of people. So I learned a lot of great tools about that from them, but I didn't learn, you know, the emotional, how to take care of myself and, and the importance of staying clean and healthy with your emotions and your mindset. So long story short, um, when my grandmother aged, she came to live with me in Atlanta for the last decade of her life. She had raised me when I was a child. I took care of her in her final decade. When she passed, I was pretty devastated. And I experienced um, being in really debilitating, worsening grief over the course of nine months, realizing I didn't have any tools to deal with it, nor did I know where to go for any help, right? So I was really kind of in a downward spiral using a lot of tools that weren't really working. My tool was basically what I call Academy Award Recovery, which is pretending everything's all right and (laughs) and doing all I could to convince myself and others. So um, at, at about nine months, right at the time when I was thinking this is getting serious and I'm, you know, something bad's going to happen if I don't find a solution to this. I received a letter from my grandmother's hospice inviting me to something called the grief recovery method. Mm-hmm. And I went through that program. It literally changed my life above and beyond just grief. And, and then they said you could get certified in the work. And I was like, okay, well, this is it. You know, it felt like all the different skills and passions that I had came together in this opportunity. And I, having experienced what it's like for a high-performing woman to be struck down by grief, there's really a double whammy of, mm-hmm. in addition to feeling so emotion emotionally challenged and physically challenged, we have all this pressure on ourselves because we're so used to being high performers. So it's it's a really difficult place to be in. So that's the audience that I mostly have a heart for. Men too, of course, but you know, my lived experiences as a high performing woman. So that's that's how it helped me understand who I wanted to serve with this work. Now you moved from a different role into this current role. Tell us a little more about what you were doing professionally when you made this transition. Yeah. Thank you for being interested. I actually was a management consultant for the entirety of my career before transitioning into this coaching work. And I was actually in uh, learning and development and performance improvement. So my background was a lot of training and development and coaching. And so that's why I say when I discovered this nature of coaching and how important it is for people to have a resource around grief specifically. It kind of was a great blend with the change management background that I was already bringing. It helped me understand why humans have so much trouble with change. Hint, it's because of the grief that comes along with losing and changing things. So um, it was just a really great marriage. And um, so I went from, um, I had been a management consultant in all the different ways you can be global, firm, small boutique firm, and then uh, working for myself and running my own small uh, consulting firm. So again, it was just a really great switch to just pivot into focusing on doing this kind of coaching work, which is so satisfying and I think really important. You know, when I was introduced to you, 
I didn't even know about your work in grief. I knew you as a management consultant who operated kind of in the same areas that, that I do. And so yes. I felt I'm going to have a natural kinship with Jenny, if nothing else, because of our professional backgrounds. But it was in that conversation that I kind of learned about your passion and how you have taken what you have done professionally your entire career, and you use the word pivot. You pivot to your current role. Um, we are recording this both uh, in the United States. We are both in the same state. We're both speaking from the state of Georgia. And in the United States, compared to other countries, how do we as Americans deal with grief? Mm. That's a good question. And I don't know that I have enough of a global perspective to compare how we deal with it uh, versus other countries. Because of course, each culture has a different way of dealing with grief. Right now, I'm working with a woman of uh, descent from the country of India. Mm. And I'm learning some interesting thing about her cultures and how they deal with grief. Um, again, like Americans, not always <laughs> successfully or productively, but you know, the different ways that their traditions and habits. Anyway, long story short is, I don't think there are many people on earth that naturally um, know positive ways to deal with their grief. And I want to give a lot of grace to previous generations because the truth is we're all doing the best we know, but at least in America and I think worldwide, we're really soaked in about six myths about the right way to quote unquote deal with grief. And most of those are pretty unproductive. So our parents learned from their parents, learned from their parents, and they learned things like grieve alone, never let him see you sweat, mm. stay busy, time will pass, you'll feel better, be strong for yourself, be strong for others. And so we have all these, our culture kind of teaches us a lot of wrong ways to deal with grief. Basically, it teaches us to run from our emotions really vigorously, <laughs> as well as pretend they don't exist. And so what happens is that's where that backlog of grief that I was talking about, right? Like we're all carrying around unresolved, unaddressed grief, um, partly because certain uh, events were never categorized as as causing grief. And so we didn't acknowledge them that way. And secondly, most importantly, because we don't really know what to do when we're having those feelings. You know, I asked that question, I kind of sprung it on you, but um, I, I know that we have listeners who have downloaded episodes from 36 countries. That's awesome. And as a result, I'm trying to be attuned to who our listeners are and what might be um, any cultural influences. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna generalize, and that is death. And I know grief is a result of things more than just death, but just the discussion of of death, it seems as if in certain cultures, it's almost taboo. Um, mm -hmm. You just don't go there. And you mentioned the six myths, I think is how you rephrased that. Were you listing mm -hmm. some of those earlier? Is, were those the myths or other things come yes. to mind? Yes. The ones that I mentioned uh, right around saying the word myths was don't uh, grieve alone, mm. don't feel bad. This is a test now to see if I can remember all three of them. Um, be strong, replace the loss, stay busy, and time will heal. Oh, Those are the six myths. And there are myths. And what are you finding in your working and working with those who are grieving is are those myths hard to debunk in your clients' oh, yeah. minds? 
for sure. But it's kind of an interesting um, experience because I always start a new engagement by reviewing those myths because it's important for us each to know which ones are kind of baked into us from how we grew up. Uh, and it's funny, sometimes the baking comes because people told us specifically, don't cry, go to your room or be strong for your brother or something like that. Sometimes they were just modeled for us without any language, but we figured out how we're supposed to act and how we're not supposed to act. So we always go pretty deep on that in one of our early sessions. And yes, they're strongly baked in. And it's interesting because different families or cultures of origin will favor you know, two or three out of them, right? Like we probably all grew up where we were taught two or three of them really uh, strongly. Um, but it's also really cool because once we start talking about it, people recognize it and they can say, oh yes, you know, I was taught that. I can see it's not working and it kind of opens up for a new possibility for what to do instead. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty valuable resource, I think, reference point. You know, I introduced that the topic that we will be discussing would be from the perspective of leaders. Mm -hmm. um, my understanding is most of our listeners are leaders. And when you're in a leadership role, you are not only leading others, but others are watching you and how mm -hmm. you behave. And so I actually spell that out in terms of when leaders encounter grief, both professionally and personally. Mm -hmm. We've kind of talked a little bit about encountering it personally. How about professionally? What, mm. what implications yeah. have you found that we need to be aware of as leaders? Well, um, as you said, there's at least two aspects of this and probably more. I think so. Number one, in today's world, which is such a crazy world. And even in the last seven days, we've had multiple pieces of bad news of tragic events. So it's it's kind of hard to be tone deaf about the existence of grief anymore, right? So that's one way where leaders can step up. We can't kind of pretend it's not happening anymore because I guess this rolls into things like the great resignation, right? Like people are dissatisfied at work. People are struggling at work largely because of what they're dealing with outside of work. So again, we have to acknowledge that things are tough right now. And uh, as leaders, maybe also ideally be a little open-minded about what kind of accommodations we can make for people, both on the general sort of employee engagement level, but also uh, individually. So one of the things I've started talking to leaders about is how can you support a person on your team that's that you know is experiencing grief? Let's say someone who you know has lost a beloved family member or has started their own um, uh, journey through disease or something like that. How can we make reasonable accommodations for those folks like we might for an employee that broke their ankle, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are, uh, I can't give specific lists because each leader in each workplace is different, but I do think mm -hmm. there are ways to make accommodations where you don't have to sacrifice performance. You know, the point is not to let anyone slide for X number of weeks or months, but it's to give them the space to heal just like they would from a physical problem. And, um, and then, you know, get back to fighting shape where they can maintain good performance during that season, which by the way, will be helped when they know that you care enough to support them through that season, right? As well as loyalty and, and ongoing engagement, and then help them get back up to fighting weight to where they, they can perform as you have come to expect them to. But again, we high performers, we want to be doing a great job in our work, right? So, um, I think, I think everyone can be on the same team about that. So that's one example about how it can get really tactical for a leader, as well as just knowing about grief. 
So, Jenny, you drew a parallel, and that is as leaders, if we have someone on our team um, who is dealing with grief, there may be value in to kind of view that the same way if they were dealing with a physical um, impairment, a physical injury, that these things take time, and we need to be in the position to, to grant that time, to show mm-hmm. a bit of grace. But mm-hmm. then you mentioned as high performers, we we still expect them to continue to perform. And so I guess what I'm sensing is your your challenge to us is how do you find that balance? Yes. And I mean, this is where my own experience as a as a change management consultant, a performance improvement consultant, right? We're always trying to love, you know, at least maintain an, uh, the significant performance, but usually level it up, right? So I'm really clear that nobody who runs a business or a team wants to sacrifice performance, but nor do you want to, you know, wear out your resources so much that they no longer can perform for you at all, right? So just to give a few examples, I'm again, let's stick with the example of an employee that maybe broke their ankle. What are some of the things a leader might do? They might provide a backpack or a rolling case, right? You might provide them to work from home for a few weeks while they really can't get around on crutches. You might provide them a little grace as to what time they come into the office, what time they leave the office, when they leave for appointments, right? So we're talking about relatively small accommodations um, and things that we probably wouldn't think twice about for the guy that broke his ankle, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but you can see where in the long run, they just provide that healing space and time that we're talking about. Now, here's the other thing, particularly for grief, as with a broken ankle, we don't want to provide just time and space without any actual healing. Like if the guy with the broken ankle never went to the doctor, that ankle's not ever going to heal. Mm -hmm. So actually, Grief is like a broken bone. It's a broken heart, right? Like Mm -hmm. instead of a physically visible broken leg, it's a broken heart. So during this time and space that you're providing, I think it's also important to bring in an expert to support that person, right? So if you had a broken leg, you'd go to a bone doctor. If you have a broken heart, you need someone who's an expert in grief. There's a whole cadre of people like me that are advanced grief recovery specialists. There are also counselors. Not every counselor is uh, expert in grief, but there are experts, you know, there are counselors that have that as their main focus. So it's also important to provide connections and resources to the right professionals to help facilitate that healing work during that healing season of time. Thank you. You know, Jenny, as you reflect on your career, working with clients all over the world, be it in your management consultant role or in your current role, can you reflect on uh, any situation where perhaps you or a client got stuck? And if that did take place, what did it take to help them or yourself get unstuck? Yeah. Well, I think my own story is the one that we alluded to in the introduction of sort of having a downward spiral over the course of nine months after my grandmother died. Um, My performance was spiraling down. I was running my own company. So the, the phrase I always say is, it's a little hard to build your business if you don't feel like you can get out of bed, right? So I wasn't getting new clients. I wasn't serving my existing clients particularly well. I was largely responsible for bringing bringing home the bacon in my house 
household. So this is a this is a problem, right? And actually, um, the emotional challenges were were exacerbating things between my myself and my husband as well. So my business is now at risk. My marriage is at risk. I've already lost someone really foundational to my existence and identity. So I think that's a good example of being stuck, right? The other reason I was stuck was because I didn't know there were any solutions for me. You know, like I'd been to therapy for years. If I didn't know how to fix it with therapy by now, what was it going to do to go back to, you know? So, um, and again, the, the solution that unstuck me at that point was uh, a very divine intervention that got me into the grief recovery method program. But um, I do have another example of a client of mine that was stuck. And, and I think she has a really compelling story too. Um, her name is Susan. And she actually started working with me because also of a death in her family. Her father died. Um, and so grief recovery helped her get unstuck about that. And then, you know, the heightened um, emotional awareness she had and the emotional freedom she had once she was past that grief really encouraged her to open up and look at her career situation. And she was in a very challenging job. She was at a director level and trying to level up to the next um the next career level in her company and kind of just stuck and treading water. You know, that situation where there's so much to do, you carry a lot of the responsibility for it. You're not sure who else you can trust in your organization uh, as a confidant or maybe a mentor to help you fill in the gaps in your skill. So um, she, she compared her current experience to lots of previous work experiences and realized they all had had similar challenges and similar dissatisfaction for her to the point where she was kind of killing herself at work to the neglect of her personal life and could see that that was a pattern and wanted to bust out of it. So in a di we, we had an ongoing coaching relationship. Sometimes we would dip back into grief recovery, including reviewing some of her previous career experiences and performing the grief recovery method to clear up the emotions around those. Because don't forget, we can have a lot of grief if we've lost either a beloved or a really dreaded job, right? There's still a lot of emotions that come along with that change, whether it was by choice or not. Um, but we also did some other personal and professional coaching. And what she found was um, she found a new vision for what she wanted her life to be like, which was more balanced than it had been and included some new big personal goals that she could get jazzed about. So she wasn't just so focused on work. Um, she found some uh, a real new commitment to some self-care routines so she could maintain her health and her satisfaction along and along instead of get in those stuck places and have to dig out of them. And uh, I was recently reviewing a, a call she and I had and she said she got some great um, outcomes, one of which she said that constant hum of tension and uh, stress and anxiety, she said that has released from her body from the work that we've done. She also said that that guilt of constantly um, feeling like she had to perform for others without any personal satisfaction, that had been released from her. And she's still keeping up those new self-care uh, activities, which include things like yoga. Um, she is seeing a counselor for some other issues she wanted to talk about, but she's just really feeling, I think she's feeling very vital as well as very free emotionally, right? And so you can just imagine the world of possibility that opens up, not just at work, but for the rest of her life too. So it's super exciting work. You just used two terms that I never really had heard in this context. Um, one of them was released from her, and that is these things that that sense of release and then you use you describe 
what she said as the hum of. Yes. I love that phrase. Mm-hmm. I, I loved I It was so great when I heard that from her because I immediately recognized that. And I think a lot of your high performing leaders do too. We, and I think we forget, we probably all have heard in a training class somewhere, because I know I've written some of those training classes, they talk about the fight or flight response. And we don't realize how much that level of adrenaline and nervous energy coursing through our body every day really can wear down our physical being, as well as our emotional being. We're just not designed to be in flight all the time. So to me, that's what she was describing, that just always being on edge and kind of vibrating um, and usually out of anxiety from what other people are expecting from us. So that's a big release. That's an exciting result. You made another comment also, and that is we're talking about what might would trigger grief. And my first reaction was something negative um, uh, has happened. Um, But you mentioned um, a job loss or leaving leaving a bad job. Um, that that can result in grief, meaning you get away from a negative, but you still may be experiencing grief. Am I hearing that right? You are. Thank you for picking up on that. So I have a definition of grief that might be surprising for your folks. The The definition is that grief is a set of conflicting emotions that results from any change or ending in a familiar pattern. So Even if you leave a job on purpose, you are making a change and you are ending familiar patterns. Everything from how you drive to work in the morning to how you open your computer to where you, you know, who you talk to during your day, you're making a lot of little changes when you, when you leave a job, uh, even if it's on purpose. And so um, there's always feelings of sadness, um, maybe anger, guilt, when something changes. And, you know, you can even think about it in the other direction, even when you take on a new job or when you take on something else that's really positive, like a new marriage or a new baby, there are parts of your experience that you're letting go of. And it's, you know, it's not only okay, but it's expected to have some negative emotions with that. So this is actually one of the things that I like talking about, because I would really like to normalize for everyone that that's okay. That's part of the human experience. There's nothing to feel guilty about if you feel some challenging emotions around a happy occasion, like a, like a wedding, or if you feel some positive emotions around a challenging change, like the loss of a loved one. Right. Like, you know, like relief that they're no longer suffering or release that you're out of a caregiving role. Right. Like grief is always a mix of emotions. It's not the name of just one emotion. I appreciate you clarifying it. You know, this topic grief is much broader than one might think on the surface. Yes. What might be some other things you want to share with our listeners about grief that we might not have covered so far? You know what? I think rather than go through a laundry list, I'm going to let you know about something I have coming up that if people are interested in that topic, they can participate in. Um, Starting about middle of June, I'm going to be doing a live streaming on LinkedIn and Facebook every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern. And the topic is called the many faces of grief. Mm. And the reason why I'm calling it like a pop-up podcast, because I'm not officially a podcaster like you at this point in my career. I might be someday, but I think there's so many cool topics to talk about. And so that's the idea. I'm just going to have different uh, friends, clients, and experts come on and discuss different topics. So I'll just run through a few of them that are top of mind. Uh, One thing that I've been noodling on is grief is a thief. 
Another one um, is grief as career counselor. Sometimes grief is what can motivate us to make a change in our career. Um, I have a, a colleague that we've been experimenting with play. And so we're gonna talk about do grief and play have anything to do with each other? And I don't have an answer to that one yet. I'm just gonna come to the conversation and see what unfolds. Um, so all sorts of things like that. I have a little topic in mind called grief as a house guest. So the point being, there are many different aspects. I just thought of another one I wanted to share. Grief as a public health issue. How, how grief can be a root cause to a lot of the maladies that we, we deal with in our individual health and in our um, collective health. So I think it's going to be a, a very interesting uh, opportunity just to explore some of those things. So I uh, want to let you know if people look for me on LinkedIn, Ginny Lee Schmid or Change Navigators LLC, that's probably the best place to find these lives. Uh, and I'll also keep my website, Change Navigators LLC. I'll keep that updated as well so people can tune into these as they would like to. I will obviously include those links uh, in the show notes so people can refer to it. Now, we need to let our listeners in on a little secret. We are recording this uh, podcast in early June. Um, and as a general rule, though we release these once a week, this podcast might not actually get publicized until well after you start this. Yeah. And so uh, as of, as it stands right now, this podcast might not even uh, go live for another eight to nine weeks. So that yeah. being said, people may be hearing it after it's it started, but what my hope is, is by the time they do hear this, um, they would have, you've gotten kind of a track record established. Will those be recorded or is it just live? Well, they're going to be streaming live, uh, but that also means they should stay embedded in the feed. And so someone could, you know, scroll back through the Facebook group or through the LinkedIn page and find it. And I may also end up posting them on YouTube. So yes, I definitely want to capture them for posterity and they will be uh, available for people to access in perpetuity. Hopefully the interest lasts that long. <laughs> I'm confident it will. Now, another thing I might wanna ask is resources. When people, when I listed these things that might be something that could be an indication of grief, when you're working with clients, do you have go-to resources that you typically share with them? Um, a couple of things come to mind. Number one, for people who want to continue that exploration beyond that bulleted list of questions that you did at the beginning, I have a downloadable workbook at my uh, website, which is changenavigatorsllc.com, which we'll post in your notes. And so I think that's a great place to start. It's just another way to sort of take a scan of your life and see whether you're feeling any of those impacts from all the life events you've experienced. Um, when I'm doing the work with my clients, we use the grief recovery handbook, which I'm gonna actually show you a visual of that. Mine looks kind of funny because I, I use it quite frequently, but it's a purple paperback book. It's from the Grief Recovery Institute. And this is our guidebook. It is of course available on Amazon for people who want to check it out for themselves. Let's all be honest, when you don't have a coach, you're less likely to work through these activities. So that's my call out to you. If you're really accountable to want to get your healing, work with a coach. Um, but I did want to share that that's available to the general public. Um, and, and again, you know, to be honest, I think one of the most important resources is that coach or accountability buddy, because it's just hard to step into this kind of 
emotional work without that. And I think one of the most important things I do with my clients is provide that safe space in our one-on-one coaching to where they, you know, they have that, they can close the door, let it all hang out for an hour. I swear everyone leaves the session feeling better than when they started it, even if they were dreading it that day. It's really quite, um, to do this work with a coach is really an easier and faster process than many people may imagine. So I just want to invite people to be open to that because it's not as scary as it, as it feels on the front end. For those who are watching versus just listening audio, perhaps you're on YouTube and you saw Jenny raise uh, a book and showed hers. I'm going to do the exact same thing because if you're watching, I have that same book and I didn't just happen upon this in Mm -hmm. our podcast prep conversation. I had shared that I too was experiencing um, a recent loss and Jenny was kind enough. She actually sent me a copy of this book that again was very kind of you. Um, So thank you for sharing that with, with me. And I also want to thank you just for just being who you are um, and your willingness to, this is a tough topic, but you embrace this topic with such positivity Mm-hmm. and possibility and it's very clear to to me uh that you would be a very much a blessing to those who reach out to you thank you well mike i'll let you in on a little secret that um it makes me giggle i recently started calling myself the world's happiest grief coach <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's funny because it's such a dichotomy right like it's a disconnect And I felt kind of funny about that for a while. And then I thought, this is what it's all about. I mean, the point is to show that grief, despite what we've been taught for years, is not just something you put in your backpack and carry around for the rest of your life. You don't have to. I don't believe it honors the loved ones you've lost to do that because they would rather see you have that vital, free, engaged, happy life in your remaining years. So uh, I, I just felt like it was time to start saying that out loud and owning that persona because the point is I want people to see what the, uh, what the possibilities are. So I've had a lot of grief in my life and I found a tool that helped me resolve it. And my goal is, like you said, bring that I want to bring that positivity and that hope for people, because I think people, when they're stuck in grief, or if they're carrying around that backpack of grief that they don't even know what to call it, it's a hopeless feeling. And there's just nothing, certainly nothing more damaging to our performance than a lack of hope, but also to just our human life possibilities. And so I'm, I'm, you know, anytime I get a chance to help someone take that backpack off and step into the rest of their life, their new normal, it's an incredible privilege, and it's part of what keeps me the world's happiest grief coach, getting to help people do that. I think that moniker is a perfect description for you, and thank you for sharing your expertise, your passion, and your happiness as we dealt with this topic of, of grief. Thank you so much. Always my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. We upload the latest episode to Apple, Google, and Spotify every Thursday. So if you've enjoyed this episode with Jenny, please subscribe. I've got a question for you, the listener. Is your company growing quickly? Are you worried that you don't have the right people and processes in place to handle that increased workload? If yes, let's talk. Head to bench-builders.com to schedule a quick call. We'll explore ways to help you solve those nagging problems so you can scale faster 
and smarter. So I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope you have picked up on some tips from Jenny that will help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.